Hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Father, we, we agree with the songs that we have been singing as we have lifted up the name of Jesus Christ. That, Lord, you take this time right now in this moment and do whatever you choose to do in our lives. Lord, we pray that you would change us, make us more like yourself, that by your spirit you would strengthen us in the inner man, that we might share the good news of your gospel uh, with a dark and dying and sinful world. Lord, use us today for your glory. We surrender even now to you. Do what you want to. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Welcome to Discovery Point Church again. I want to start off with a little uh, article that came out of the Daily Bread back from the 90s. And uh, this article really talks about love winning. Uh, this has nothing to do with Pastor Greg's favorite heretic, but it has a lot to do with love. Uh, and the article begins, During World War II, Hitler commanded all the religious groups to unite so that he could control them. Among the brethren assemblies, half complied and half refused. Those who went along with the order had a much easier time. Those who did not faced harsh persecution. In almost every family of those who resisted, someone died in a concentration camp. When the war was over, feelings of bitterness ran deep between the groups and there was much tension. Finally, they decided the situation had to be healed and leaders from each group met at a quiet retreat. For several days, each person spent time in prayer, examining his own heart in light of Christ's command. Then they came together. Francis Schaeffer, who told of the incident, asked a friend who was there, what did you do then? We were just one, he replied. As they confessed their hostility and bitterness to God and yielded to his control, the Holy Spirit created a spirit of unity among them. Love filled their hearts and dissolved their hatred. When love prevails among believers, especially in times of strong disagreement, it presents to the world an indisputable mark of a true follower of Jesus Christ. I want to read that last uh, sentence again. When love prevails among believers, especially in times of strong disagreement, it presents to the world an indisputable mark of a true follower of Jesus Christ. Would you agree with that statement? Amen. You know, during Jesus' ministry here on earth in the first century, his, his ministry demonstrated tangibly the Father's love for humanity. He didn't just come and say, the, the Father loves you or I love you, but he demonstrated the Father's love. He, he, he healed the lepers who, who came to him. He, he forgave a woman who was caught in adultery. He reached out to a group that hated the Jews as much as the Jews hated them, and that was the, the Samaritans, and he brought some to himself. He, he fed those who was hungry, who were hungry. He listened to a woman 
who had a medical condition for 12 long years, even though there was a guy waiting on him to go save his daughter. He had mercy on another woman whose son had died. Her only son had died. And as the, as the funeral marches headed to the cemetery, he came and he raised this woman's son from the dead. He even washed his disciples' feet, even as one was about to betray him. Nonetheless, he washed his feet and demonstrated his love for them. Jesus is a living illustration of love. And as he prepared to go to the cross to give his life for you and me, he told his disciples in John chapter 13, verse 34, he says this. He says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Now, in the Greek language, there are four words, four major words for the word love. There is, there is phileo, which is that brotherly kind of love. We get the word Philadelphia from that. It's that camaraderie. There is the word storge, which is that familial love, the love I have for my brothers and my sisters. There is the word eros, which is that erotic type of love you'd find between a husband and a wife. But there's another word for love, and that is agape. And it is that love that is unconditional. It's that love that says, I choose to love you despite what you choose to do or not do. That's the kind of love that Jesus is talking about when he tells his disciples to love one another. Love one another in the good times, in the difficult times, when others don't deserve it, when others wrong you, when others abandon you, when others curse you, when people use you, when they disagree with you strongly. At all times, love. And he tells his disciples to love one another, even the way that I've loved you. Why? Well, the very next verse, he tells us why, verse 35. He says, by this, by your love for one another, all men will know that you are my disciples. If, conditional clause, if you have love one for another. That means that love is a choice, brothers and sisters. We can choose to love one another, or we can choose to not love one another. Let me ask you a question. Talk with me. If we choose to love each other, what will the world see? They'll see Jesus in us. What else will they see? It's okay to talk to me. That's okay. Talk to me. What will the world see if we choose to love one another? They'll see compassion. What else might they see? They'll see peace. One more. What else might they see? Kindness. They will see all of these things in a tangible way if we choose to love one another. Now, here's another question. What will the world see if we choose not to love one another? What will they see? Satan? Hate? Division? What else might they see? Sin. And they won't see anything that is attractive. They won't see anything that is worth their time to come and find out what's going on in the church. 
And this is exactly what was happening in the church at Galatia, within the region of Galatia. The world was seeing the church divided. The world was seeing the church not loving one another. And it wasn't attractive. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, where we're going to continue our study uh, of, this, of this chapter in Galatians, where um, Jesus has some, Paul has some news for us. It's about freedom. Freedom to choose to love one another. Galatians chapter 5 will be in verse 22, but just by way of review and to set up our time today, I just want to go over what we've seen thus far. If you recall, Paul is writing, and this is a circular letter. It's not written to one particular church, but is written to a group of churches within the, the area of Galatia, modern-day Turkey, because this heresy had crept up into these churches where the Judaizers were telling the, the, the Gentile believers, you've got to be circumcised and you've got to follow the law to really be saved. That it's not just enough to follow Jesus, but it's Jesus and circumcision. It's Jesus and the law. And so Paul is writing to these churches to set the record straight. No, it's Jesus, period, end of sentence. But they also attacked Paul's apostleship. And so also in writing, he is defending his credibility as an apostle. And the whole book is about this. It is central to the gospel, that the gospel is a gospel of grace, and it is not a gospel of works. Look with me, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, just by way of review. Paul begins this chapter as he starts to close this letter to say that Jesus set us free. Look at verse 1. It was for freedom that Jesus set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Paul reminds the church that Jesus freed us. That it was for freedom that he died. It was for freedom that he set us free from the power of sin and death. And look at what he says. Because Jesus has set us free to stand firm. It's a military term. It means to hold your ground. Don't move. To stay where you are. To keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. This implies that we have a decision to make. That we can use our freedom for the glory of Christ, or we can use our freedom from something else. And we have that choice to make, to stand firm and not be subject to slavery. Here's what I find interesting about this passage. In, in, in verse 1, the Greek word translated be subject is an, an neck stay. And it means to, to have a grudge against someone, or to bear ill will, or to spite, or to have a quarrel. And within the churches in Galatia, there was this division between the Judaizers saying, you've got to be circumcised and follow the law, and those who said, no, we just follow Jesus and him alone. And you had this division within the church. And Paul tells this church to don't be subject, don't, don't have a grudge, don't bear ill will. Don't quarrel. Don't be spiteful within the church. And the thing is, they had the freedom to not be spiteful. They had the freedom 
to not be, have ill will towards someone else in the church. And Paul says, Jesus has set you free. And he tells, us, tells them what matters in verse 6. Look at verse 6 with me. Galatians chapter 5. Paul says this. He says, for in Christ there is neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. Or it means anything but faith working through love. He says circumcision doesn't mean anything in Christ. And not being circumcised doesn't mean anything in Christ. What's important? Faith working through what? It's okay to talk in church. Faith working through what? Love. Paul says, this is what matters. Forget about circumcision. It's that our faith is working through the love that we have for one another. Don't miss this. Faith working through love, the kind of love that is unconditional, the kind of love that loves at all times. Even though we disagree on the circumcision thing, we still can make the choice to love one another. And in verse 7, Paul asks the question of the church. Look at verse 7 with me. He says, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Paul says, you were running the race quite well. But who caused you to stumble? Who hindered you? Who thwarted your progress? Who made your walk difficult? And in verse 13, he gets to the very heart of the matter, or the root of the matter. Look at verse 13. He says, for you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Paul reiterates what he said in verse 1. You were called to freedom, brethren. But don't turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. Don't let the flesh use this as an opportunity for it to do what it wants to do. But, strong contrast, but faith working through love. Are you seeing a pattern here? In verse 6, it's faith working through love. Verse 13, serve one another. And that's a command, by the way. To serve one another through love. Jesus did this. He served his disciples. Even after Peter had denied Jesus three times. Even after the disciple decided... We're going to go back to what we used to do. Jesus made breakfast for them on the shore with a little charcoal fire. He served them through love. Even though they ran away from him, even though they, they denied him, he continued to serve them through love. And Paul is calling on the church at Galatia, and by extension, you and I to do the very same thing, to serve one another through love. Look at verse 14 with me, where Paul makes this important point. He says, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Paul quotes Jesus, who, in Matthew chapter 23, was asked the question, What is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says this in verse 37. He says, And he said to him, 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. Verse 39. The second is like it. He says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Paul makes a very important point. He says, salvation is not about circumcision. It's about loving one another. He says, if you want to keep the law, if you really want to keep the law, love your neighbor as yourself. And when you love your neighbor as yourself, then you keep the whole law in the prophets. But the choice is yours. Does that make sense? Why is this important that we love one another? Why is it important that we love those that we come into contact with? A lawyer asked Jesus the question, who's my neighbor? And Jesus responded at the end, whoever you come into contact with, that is your neighbor. Make sure that you prove to be a neighbor. This is important, brothers and sisters, because as we read prior, in John chapter 13, when Jesus gave this last commandment, love one another, even as I have loved you, so you love one another. Verse 35, by this all men will know that you are my disciples. When the world sees the church loving one another, Jesus says, they will know that we are his. And what they see from our tangible love is going to be attractive to them. And they're one going to know about this Jesus that we serve and how they can become a part of this. Because I don't know if you've seen what's happening out in the world lately, but it's, it's pretty dark. It's a dog-eat-dog -dog world. It's every man for themselves and woman. But when the world sees us loving one another, when we make the choice to love each other, even when we disagree on certain things, when we choose to put another in, uh, needs ahead of our own, the world is going to see that. And they will know that we belong to Jesus. Now, if we don't love one another, look at what Paul says in verse 15. He says, but if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Well, what does bite and devour mean? I'm going to tell you. The Greek word for, for bite is daknete, and it means to hurt. It means griping, to cause harm or discomfort. The word devour is kateestiete. It means to cause extensive destruction or to ruin utterly or to engage in spiteful partisan strife. Do you get a picture of what was happening in the church? It was not a happy place. The churches at Galatia were places of great division, not places of love. And Paul says, if you don't love one another, you're going to wind up devouring each other. And the world is going to see that. And why would the world want to join something that looks like them to begin with? They'd have no reason to come to the church. They have no reason to come to Jesus because we're, we're just as mixed up as they are. But if we love one another, they will know that we belong to Jesus Christ and they will see our love in a tangible way. They will see how we take care of one another. They'll see how we meet each other's needs. 
They'll see the peace that we have, and that's attractive right now. Sadly, we see the very same thing today in the church that we saw in the first century, where there are divisions among the church. You've got churches who divide over Calvinism versus Arminianism. And churches divide over this. I had a guy once tell me, I can't serve a God that would send people to heaven. I said, well, you need to go read the rest of your scripture. By the way, he doesn't send people, I mean, to, to hell, excuse me, to hell, not to heaven. And I said, well, if you look at the scripture, God doesn't send them to hell. It's our sin that sends us there. Churches divide over things like lordship, salvation versus free grace. They even divide over things like carpet color, whether we want red, gray, or, or blue. It's happened. But this is what the world sees, especially today. And when we choose not to love each other, they see our divisions. They, they see our distrust for one another. They see the anger and our frustration and even our hatred for one another. And they don't see anything that is attractive, anything that is different from where they are. That's why Paul commands in verse 16, he says this. He says, by the Spirit, you all walk. Verse says, but I say walk in the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Literally, it says, by the Spirit, walk. By the Spirit, live your life. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. And the idea is each and every day, we are to be led by the Holy Spirit. It's like a habit. We get up and we're led by him. We, we go to lunch and we're led by him. We go to bed and we're led by him. That he is to lead us throughout each and every day. And he says, when you walk by the Spirit, you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. And in the Greek language, when you want to say something, that, when you want to create a negative, that is a definite, it will not happen, you would use, use the Greek construction, ume. And Paul uses that here. He says, walk by the Spirit, and you will not, absolutely not, carry out the desires of the flesh. When you walk by the Spirit, each and every day. Look at verse 18 with me. Paul continues. But if you are led by the Spirit, talking to this church, if you let the Spirit lead, you are not under the law. You don't have to keep the law. We can't keep the law when you are led by the Spirit. And Paul is trying to get this church to see, and us, that it is the Holy Spirit that keeps us from having to worry about performing for our salvation. It's the Holy Spirit who keeps us from worrying about, am I going to go to heaven? Because if you have the Spirit within you, you belong to Jesus Christ. And he won't leave you ever. And Paul is trying desperately to get this church to realize this truth. And then in verses 19 through 21, he gives us this vice list, these works of the flesh. But in verse 22, he begins this virtue list. And he gives us the fruit of the Spirit. Look at verse 22. Now at our text, finally. Begin at verse 22. Paul begins after giving us this vice list, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, in verse 22. We're going to look at the first three today. 
But I want you to notice verse 21. Paul tells this congregation that if your life is characterized by this vice list of the flesh, he says, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Please observe that this is not something that we produce in and of ourselves. That it is something that the Holy Spirit produces within us. Also, fruiting takes time. We have a lemon tree in our backyard, and lemons just don't pop up overnight. It takes months of watering and fertilizing for the, our lemon tree to produce lemons. In the same way, it takes the Holy Spirit time to produce fruit in us. And again, it is the Holy Spirit that produces the fruit. Jesus said, look, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Everything that we need to produce fruit comes through Jesus, comes through the Holy Spirit. Rod, why is this important? Because in the Greek language, when you want to emphasize something, you either put it at the beginning of a list or you put an accent on the Greek word. Well, guess what? Paul does both. And the very first fruit that he, he highlights is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. It's the Greek word agape. It's that love that knows no bounds. It's that love that is unconditional. It is to love. It is affection. It is esteem. It is regard without limitation. It's a very intimate relationship. It's that love that says no matter what you do or don't do, I choose to love you. That's the way God the Father loves the Son. That's the way the Son loves the Father. It's also the way the Father and the Son love us. That no matter what we do, God's love never diminishes for you and for me. And in the same way, Paul tells the churches at Galatia that the Holy Spirit, if you, if you will let him lead, if you walk by the Spirit, he will produce love. This unconditional care for one another. You know, it's a choice. And when the world sees this, our love for one another, that we take care of each other, that is going to be attractive. Paul puts it this way in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. He says, therefore, to the Ephesian church, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. Live your life according to agape, to love. Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Paul says the very same thing. To love one another, to walk in love the way Jesus did. That way all men will know that you were his disciples. Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15, Peter writes this, he says, But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in your behavior. That we're to be like Christ in everything that we do. That includes loving one another, brothers and sisters. The Apostle John in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, says this. He says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. This is Paul's point to the church at Galatia. 
the churches at Galatia, rather. You got to love one another. Yeah, you disagree on this circumcision thing, but you must love one another as the church of Jesus Christ. And that love only comes through the Holy Spirit. And you know what? We are most like Jesus when we love each other. We are most like Jesus when we love each other. And if there's someone in this room, or even by way of being online, that, that there's, there's a brother or sister that you've just got an issue with, go to them and fix it. Go to them and settle it. Because the world is watching us. The second fruit that the Holy Spirit produces is joy. And the Greek word here is karai, and it means to experience gladness, or gladness of heart, or delight, or rejoicing. And when we walk by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit cultivates in us this ability to be joyful in the midst of struggle, in the midst of strife, in the midst of harsh circumstances, even dissension. And we can have a sense of cheer when, when things aren't so good around us. And that's joy. I um, went to my VP's daughter's memorial last weekend where uh, she was headed to her sister's graduation in Northern California. And she and her brother and her brother's wife and her boyfriend were all driving in a car early in the morning and a drunk driver hit them head on and the daughter died. Everybody else was, was banged up pretty bad. And so they had her memorial last weekend, and I watched, I watched Paul, who has become a good friend, talk about his daughter and what she had done for Jesus and the lives that she had affected for Jesus. And I, as I sat watching him, hurting on the inside, but being joyful on the outside because he knew where she was, I thought that's nothing but what the Holy Spirit is doing in him, giving him the joy of knowing that his daughter is with Christ so that he's able to get up and share her life with those who were there to celebrate her life. Nothing but the Holy Spirit. The third fruit that the Holy Spirit produces is peace. And the Greek word is irene, and it, it speaks of a harmonious relationship, freedom from dispute, a state of tranquility, cessation of hostilities, it's the same word that Paul uses in Romans when he talks about our peace with God. Not only do we have peace with God, we can have peace with one another through the Holy Spirit. And the churches at Galatia need this peace. And Paul reminds them that you can have peace through the Holy Spirit. You can have that sense of Shalom. Everything within is good. Everything without is at peace. It reminds me of a picture I once saw of a violent storm, uh, torrential rains, lightning, thunder, but in the cleft of this rock, I don't know if you can see it, is a bird who is snug and at peace and safe. And this is a picture of peace. 
even with the storms raging around uh, this bird, he is at ease. And the Holy Spirit can produce this very same peace in you and in me. So that no matter what's happening around us, we can be at peace. And I got to tell you, we need some peace today. I watched the news lately. We need some peace. And that peace only comes through the Holy Spirit. So that no matter what happens in Washington, D.C., no matter what happens in the Taiwan Straits, I'm at peace. Because God is in control. And I'm with him. Amen? So, just a couple of takeaways before we close this evening. Number one, as the church of Jesus Christ, we've got to make the decision to love one another. Love is a choice. My wife and I were talking about this the other day. Our, our oldest son has a girlfriend. And they were talking about the issues of marriage and, and my son's experience and his girlfriend's experience. And we were talking about this. And I made the comment, you know, love is a choice. I know some days I can be, I can just be a rat, you know. But she chooses to love me. And there are days she can be difficult, but I choose to love her. But that's, that's what love is. It's a choice. No matter what you do or don't do, I choose to love you. That's how God loves us. Peter says this in 1 Peter 4, 7 through 10. He says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. Did you catch that? Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint as each one has received a special gift. Employ it in serving one another as, God, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Paul says, or Peter says rather, above everything else to the church, love each other. Because the We've got to make this choice. It's, 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 it's crucial. Secondly, resolve conflicts quickly. If there's a brother or sister in this room that you have an issue with, take care of it. If it's a brother or sister at work, at home, in the marketplace, that you've got an issue with, take care of it. Luke puts it this way. This is Jesus talking, Luke 17, verse 3. Jesus says, be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times saying, I repent, he says, forgive him. To which the disciples said, Lord, you need to increase our faith. Why is this important? It's important because the world is watching. Jesus has given us an awesome opportunity to represent him in the world today. As crazy as it is, as sinful as it is, you and I were born for such a time as today to take the good news to the world and let them know that Jesus lives and that he loves sinners and that he forgives sin. But if we're not loving one another, if they don't see the joy and the peace that the Holy Spirit produces in us, why bother? On the other hand, if we choose to love one another, 
and allow the Spirit to produce that joy and that peace within us. The world is going to see that because they are watching us. You may not see them watching you, but they are watching you, and they're watching me. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. He said, you are the light of the world. Talking to the 12, and by extension, talking to us, in Matthew chapter 5, he says this, he says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? Answer, it can't. It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they might see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. This is why loving each other is important. This is why Paul stresses to the church to have faith through love, to serve one another through love so that the world can see our love for one another. And then they will know that we are disciples of Jesus Christ. I want to leave you with this. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, he says, therefore, be careful how you walk. Be careful how you live your lives. Not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. You and I have a great responsibility to show the world the love of Jesus Christ. So as we close today, let's make the decision to love one another so that the world can know that we truly are disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, as we think about the times that we live in today, it reminds me of what you said in Genesis chapter 6, that the intent of the heart of man is only evil continually. And Lord, we see that even today. But Lord, as for your church, that is gathered here today and gathered online. Help us by your Holy Spirit to love one another. And may the world see your love in us. May the world see you in us. May they experience your love and your compassion and your grace and your mercy through us. And we pray for an open door to be able to share the gospel. But let it begin with us in this place today. May we make the decision to love one another the way you have loved us. We love you, Lord. And may we be about your will today. And we ask these things, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.